drunken behavior, coercive control, sexual harassment. These are just a few of the complaints being lodged by students against staff, and in some cases, other students, at some of the world's most elite universities. For two years, Al Jazeera's investigative unit looked into those complaints, and they examined how several universities in the UK are protecting, or failing to protect, their students when it comes to sexual misconduct. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Starting today, every Friday for the next few weeks, we'll be bringing you one episode of a gripping podcast series called Degrees of Abuse, produced by our colleagues at the investigative unit. The first episode you're about to listen to tells the story of a renowned professor at the University of Oxford who's accused of being a sexual predator. Accusations that have followed him for three decades across three institutions. And a heads up here. These episodes deal with topics of sexual assault, grooming, stalking, physical violence, and harassment. I'll let my colleagues Deborah Davies and Alex Howlett from Al Jazeera's investigative unit take it from here. And so I remember it in fragments. He seemed to me very drunk. And he cornered me on a staircase. And because he wasn't letting me leave, it felt like a threat. I remember him saying, I am going to destroy you. Then it started to get sexualized again. You think, well, I'll give you one last shot of testosterone across your bow. That's Professor Alex Gillespie describing an incident eight years ago at Toronto University in Canada. He was a big name, the charismatic, leading academic in the field of medieval literary studies. His name is Professor Andy Orchard. He's now Professor of Anglo-Saxon at Oxford University. One of his predecessors was J.R.R. Tolkien, who held the same chair when he wrote The Hobbit and much of Lord of the Rings. Here's Professor Orchard talking about him at an annual Tolkien Society dinner. I just looked at everything that Tolkien ever lectured on while he was doing the job that I do now, and it's mind-blowing. Like Tolkien, Professor Orchard is a world expert on the poem Beowulf, written in Old English. It's the epic saga that inspired Tolkien to create his own languages, to tell the tales of ancient worlds. Tolkien used to quote the opening lines of Beowulf to his students, just as Andy Orchard does in his lecture. What we got down in your dagum thayud from who the other lingers, Ellen Fremadon. Listen. We've heard tell in days of old of the deeds of the famous, the mighty kings of the Spear Danes, how those nobles did deeds of valour. But it's Professor Orchard's deeds in the modern world that have attracted years of online criticism. 
Orchard has been on the list of historians who are known to be sexual harassers and abusers for years. I was warned about him. A colleague told me he was NSL, not safe in lifts. Andy Orchard is a serial sex predator. Is anyone ever going to care enough to make it stop now? This is Al Jazeera Investigates. I'm Deborah Davis, a reporter with Al Jazeera's iUnit. And I'm Alex Howlett. I've been working as a journalist since I graduated from university in 2018. That was when the Me Too movement was already creating a storm around the world. It exposed how men in positions of power and authority exploit women for sexual advantage. The Me Too movement took down powerful men in Hollywood, news presenters, politicians, athletes. But I wanted to know, how much do powerful professors still impact the lives and careers of younger women? Has Me Too reached inside the ancient walls of academia, especially in Britain? We've been researching this story for two years now. We've met dozens of women willing to speak out and tell us how their universities failed to protect them from sexual harassment by their lecturers. This is part one of Degrees of Abuse. One of the earliest names we came across was Professor Andy Orchard. The more we dug, the clearer it became that his abuse of power stretched back over three decades, three universities and two continents. After studying at Cambridge, Andy Orchard began teaching there. That's where Ananya Kabir first met him in the early 1990s. She studied first in India, then Oxford, and chose Cambridge for her postgraduate studies. I was obviously very excited to start my PhD. I was, at that moment, one of the very, very few non-white people. So a very, very rare occurrence, an Indian woman studying Anglo-Saxon literature was kind of like hen's teeth. Ananya Kabir is now highly respected in her own right. She's Professor of English Literature at King's College London. As a young postgrad, she found Andy Orchard an inspiring figure. My department was the Department of Anglo-Saxon, Norse and Celtic, which is part of the English faculty. Andy was very young, about seven years older than me, so he was in his 30s. I was 24 and out of this whole idea that, wow, you know, I have this fantastic supervisor who is going to be making sure that I move and do well. But very quickly, Ananya began to feel uncomfortable. The culture was really one of going to the pub, having pints, male jokes, locker room humour. He held meetings in the pub rather than in his office. So he was drunk many times for meetings. Catherine Karkov is now professor and head of the School of Fine Art at Leeds University. As a young academic, she spent time at Cambridge working on a book with Andy Orchard. At the time, it was a very unequal relationship. This is a person who, intellectually at least, you admire and respect. Otherwise, why would you be working with them? This is a person who has the potential to get you a very good job, to get you published to advance your career. So there's that level of intimidation on the female students in particular. His academic reputation was high. His personal reputation was as an alcoholic and a sexual predator. A satirical student publication gave a hint of Andy Orchard's behaviour during his time at Cambridge in the 1990s. 
typical Friday night in the pub. Andy Orchard, buying drinks for half the students. I wonder which half. Questions for candidates for Andy Orchard's course. Are you a girl? How likely are you to be interested in sad old academics? Andy Orchard puts the perv in supervisor. Professor Orchard says he came up with that one himself, but calls it a joke that hasn't stood the test of time. And Anya Kabir never found such things funny, but says students had to laugh along even when they found the underlying attitude offensive. After her PhD, she stayed at Cambridge to teach. In 1999, she went to an annual conference at Western Michigan University in the United States. For medieval scholars, it's the place to be seen. That was almost like a rite of passage. Everybody had to go there. But her conference was interrupted by an unsettling revelation. A lot of things fell into place at that moment. And Anya shared a room with another Cambridge PhD student. One night, she just confessed she and Andy Orchard had been in a relationship. It was ongoing in the present. She was just deeply confused and deeply unhappy and quite um, scared. Scared of what? Of some kind of reprisal if she got out? Yeah. You know, we are talking about a powerful figure. Your entire world is your PhD. It's an extremely unequal power relationship. And she just didn't know, even if she wanted to end it or not, how she would go about it, because there was a primal fear. The repercussions were unspecified and therefore nightmarish almost. Back in Cambridge, Ananya told her friend Catherine Karkov what she'd heard. Both women felt compelled to act. Catherine told a senior academic in Andy Orchard's department. And he said, oh, yes, all true. And that the department and the university saw this as a matter of consenting adults. He also added that, well, the woman had been wearing such a lovely dress the evening this started. Who could blame Andy? I was absolutely horrified. Although that is very much the level of many male academics' approach to women that I've come across over the years. In one sense, it was also horrifying because it was so typical. That year, Andy Orchard was in the running for a senior professorship. That would have put him in greater contact with students. And Anya Kabir believed she had to do something. I felt I had been given a responsibility and I wanted students to be protected because I had seen the impact of such behaviour on others. I had information and I had to act on it. So Ananya confided in one of those on the hiring committee. I don't know what happened with that information. Andy didn't get the job, he went to Toronto. In 2000, Professor Orchard packed his bags and moved to Canada for a post at Toronto University. There was no disgrace attached to him. It was a life-changing moment for me. The women he was praying on were left to pick up their own pieces. Nobody cared about them. He was being looked after and he was going from glory to glory, as indeed he has continued to do. Next stop, University of Toronto. Please 
I started a master's degree at the University of Toronto and I did the one-year degree and then I did the PhD starting in 2005. Joe was one of Professor Orchard's students at Toronto. She'd rather we didn't use her real name. I went in to study Old English, Old Irish and eventually picked up Old Norse. And so it was kind of a natural fit that I would run into Andy Orchard Everyone was so excited. He was this great big shot. And this sense that we were so lucky to have him at the Center for Medieval Studies at Toronto, this glittering academic reputation of just absolute brilliance. But she and classmates quickly went from impressed to disgusted. He used to make a lot of sex jokes. I remember a particularly horrific conversation where he was speculating about the size of a male student's balls because of how deep his voice was. I remember being horrified and embarrassed and laughing along with other people because what else are you going to do? He would definitely talk about different female students' attractiveness. The other thing that I really remember was him speculating about the sex lives of female faculty. How often did I have sex with my husband? Did I like having sex with my husband? He was very good looking. Perhaps I should go home at the end of a given evening and have sex with my husband so that I could have children. That's Professor Alex Gillespie, who you heard from at the very start. She was then a junior academic in Orchard's department. So he would ask me if a particular colleague who we met at a talk or something was a gay, and there'd be a sort of stream of jokes about bumming or backs to the wall boys or those kinds of homophobic jokes. She's risen to become one of Toronto University's vice principals, a powerful voice willing to speak out. But 20 years ago, as a young academic, it was really different. It made me feel very degraded and undervalued and... Just confused, actually, on some level. In the middle of that, were you ever sort of thinking through, can I actually say something to stop the torrent of this kind of remark? It's so interesting you ask that because there's this instinctive reaction that you should please them, to keep yourself safe and also to be the right kind of woman, the woman who can take a joke. Soon after Andy Orchard arrived in Toronto, Catherine Karkov came over from Leeds for a conference. Like many of Andy Orchard's days, it ended in the pub. Catherine saw, just like at Cambridge, he was in a sexual relationship with another student. The woman with whom he was beginning an affair was sitting next to him. She was already quite drunk, and he spent the evening buying her drinks and flirting with her. But you believe there was more after that? They always showed up at conferences staying in the same hotel room, so certainly there was more going on. That was obvious at a conference in America in 2007. Mary Rambaran-Olm has studied in Canada and the UK and was then a postgraduate student in medieval studies. When you're in academia, when you read someone's work, sometimes those people become like heroes to you or, you know, you have this reverence for people that you know absolutely nothing about apart from their work. Mary's view changed when she saw Professor Orchard's behaviour at a conference dinner. That sort of stuff stays with you. 
that's burned into my head. There was groping that was just wildly inappropriate. I don't know how else to say this. Someone was giving him a hand job under the table. So they eventually got up and left and went to the bathroom together. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to say. I mentioned it to two senior scholars afterwards. They were shocked, but what on earth do you do? What they did was band together. People started to share their stories with me. They're exhausted with nothing being done. And so I was willing to say his name. The Whisper Network included Catherine Karkov. That's when we all sort of banded together and began warning students not to work with him, began speaking out in public about him. But he has been all his life very much protected by the institutions he works at. This code of silence that we've kept, partially it's because we've been instructed to without being told out loud explicitly that we shouldn't say anything. We know that this will come back and affect our careers or our scholarship. The trail of victims is longer than I had ever imagined. It really is. As one affair faded, students say he seemed to target a replacement, another young postgrad at the university. He joined her in the pub with a group of friends. They included Joe, the student who didn't want her real name used. Then I noticed that he was fondling her hand under the table and putting it on his knee. When they were leaving the bar, he was holding her hand. Her friends followed. And then she made a call me sign with her hand as she walked away. Like she was telling us, I'm not okay with this in some way. I was worried that he was trying to sleep with her. And it was clear that she was really alarmed. After another two hours, their friend emerged from the pub alone. She was distraught and very, very upset, very confused, very scared, very, very scared. So what she told us was that he'd said that he was in love with her and that he wanted to leave his wife and kids for her. I mean, that's pretty intense to have your PhD supervisor say, I want to leave my wife and kids for you because I'm in love with you. Why do you think she didn't feel she could just say to him, good night, I'm going with my friends and not with you? Because of the power he had over her career, and her degree. First the girl herself, then her friends, reported Andy Orchard to one of their senior advisors, Professor David Townsend. I was appalled by what she told me she'd been subjected to. 
I got in touch with the university's sexual harassment officer. David Townsend was very supportive. And there was a question of whether there was going to be a formal sexual harassment complaint. Joe says at that point, the student decided to keep it an informal complaint. I believe she would have to be in the room with him at some point to talk about it. And I, I don't think she was up for that, understandably. That's something we've heard from so many women we've spoken to during the two years of our investigation. They feel the complaint system in their universities is so daunting and stacked against them, they keep silent. So at Toronto, Professor Townsend says the matter was dealt with quietly. My understanding is that there was a letter about the incident that was placed in Professor Orchard's personnel file. What was his reaction to that? Oh, he was furious. He was absolutely furious. I made the suggestion that the unit needed to put in place some explicitly articulated guidelines for interactions between students and supervisors, and those were met with resistance, and no such guidelines were drawn up or circulated to the faculty. There's no question that Professor Orchard was a superstar. It's not clear to me that it was so much the fear of losing him as the fear of retaliation through a lawsuit. Five years later, in 2013, there's a departmental dinner at which Andy Orchard gets very drunk. My memory of this is it's actually the memory of someone who was quite frightened in that moment because it was so sudden and so hostile. This is the incident Alex Gillespie spoke about at the start, when she says Andy Orchard cornered her and threatened her on a staircase. I remember him saying, you are part of a queer, feminist, I believe he also said Jewish conspiracy to overthrow the study of Latin and philology at the University of Toronto to destroy my legacy in the study of Old English. But I'm not gonna let that happen. I am going to destroy you. And then it started to get sexualized again. Well, I'll give you one last shot of testosterone across your bow. And because he wasn't letting me leave, it felt like a threat. I didn't cry, but I was quite shaky and trying to calm him down, asking him to let me leave, unable to do so. I immediately reported to the director of the Centre for Medieval Studies and the chair of the Tri-Campus English Department that this had happened. But I also made it clear that I didn't want to take a formal complaint. My main reason for that was within weeks he was leaving the University of Toronto and I couldn't even imagine how a formal complaint would work in that circumstance. Toronto University said Al Jazeera had raised serious matters which needed to be addressed. They said they'll be revising their sexual violence policy to address the power imbalances inherent on university campuses. In 2013, Professor Orchard took up the chair of Anglo-Saxon at Oxford. By then, Professor Catherine Karkov says the behaviour she knew about from Cambridge and Toronto was an open secret. 
She finds it hard to believe Oxford knew about his expertise in the medieval world, but not his reputation in the modern one. Certainly there are things I would like to say to Oxford University about Andy Orchard. That he needs to be stopped. He should never have been hired. He may be a big name in the field, but he's also very destructive to the field. Oxford University said it doesn't tolerate any form of harassment and takes all allegations very seriously. Al Jazeera put its findings to Professor Orchard. We received a five-page letter from his lawyers in return. This provided his response to a number of the allegations, but prohibited us from including these responses in this podcast. We can say, however, that he disputes our findings. Professor Orchard remains an admired scholar and an entertaining speaker. Here he is again at the Tolkien Society dinner. This is one of the tragedies of being an academic, one of the many tragedies of being an academic, apart from, you know, no money, bad hair, really bad teeth, <laughs> afflictions with alcohol, uh, is <laughs> an unspared wreck, unspell your harder, wordum rixland. This is the passage that I chose for Tolkien's memorial. A man full of fine words with a memory for stories who remembered all the many multitudes of ancient tales. That's not how many fellow academics think of Professor Orchard. I call on Oxford to explain why they have rewarded and protected Andy Orchard, who has one of the worst reputations in medieval studies for his harassment of women. I won't attend a conference at which Andy Orchard is a plenary speaker. I'm going to sign his work as reading for my classes. He was my first mentor, and I want nothing to do with him. To speak out against the combined power of a world-famous academic and ancient institutions is daunting. But for some, it's time to highlight the long-term impact on women's lives. Professor Ananya Kabir switched her field of studies to English literature to avoid Professor Orchard. So I left Anglo-Saxon studies. The field in which I had shaped myself and given my blood, sweat and tears. I didn't want to be in any kind of space where he was inhabiting because it was repulsive to me what I had seen. I knew that I was not going to be protected, but he was going to be protected. Even 20 years on, Ananya Kabir is still disturbed when she has to visit Cambridge. Nobody can take my Cambridge experience away from me. But yes, I feel nausea in the pit of my stomach when I pass the gates of Emmanuel College. And I try not to go there because everything flashes back. We've talked to several other academics who won't speak publicly about Andy Orchard. And Anya Kabir understands why. Yeah, because I'm scared too. What are you scared of? The struggle, you know. And then you feel, you you say something and you don't know how it's going to be used against you. But honestly, I've had enough. I need to, I can't, I cannot be true to myself. I keep all this inside me. So I fully understand why people would be scared. I feel the same fear. It is extraordinary that someone with your reputation, that this is still an issue that, that can strike so deep into you. 
when I think about if this is the way I can feel, a man didn't lay a finger on me and still I can feel this, I just don't even know how the women who were sexually involved with him, what they must be feeling. Last word to Professor Alex Gillespie, who says she was abused and threatened as a young academic. She's now Vice Principal of Toronto University. Finally, I have reached a position where if I spoke, if I said no, there couldn't be reprisals. That is what happens when you promote people who have previously been marginalised into positions of power. You give them the ability to speak of their experiences and then to change the cultures that made those negative experiences possible. I no longer want to be complicit in this damaging silence. For the second of our six-part series, we're investigating another distinguished professor at Oxford University. The difference is that this time, the university did investigate his behaviour and uphold the complaints from both students and staff. But as we hear from one of his former students, he's still teaching. I think it's very indicative of how these systems work and, and who they allow to speak and who they silence. If you've been affected by any of these issues, we've compiled a list of helplines and support organisations. Details are available on our website, ajiunit.com. Degrees of Abuse is reported by me, Alex Howlett and Deborah Davies. This episode was produced by Kevin Hurton and audio edited by Craig Pennington and Leo Sofoyanis. Sound mixed by TVC Soho. Joe DeFries is the executive producer and Phil Reese is Al Jazeera's director of investigative journalism. More strong stories in the rest of this series. Do join us. If you haven't already, subscribe to Al Jazeera Investigates, however you listen to podcasts.